Hi, and welcome to the 24th episode of Desert Island Punks. I'm Jake, and I play in punk rock band Sunline, and this is my podcast where I interview friends of mine and people I admire in the punk rock scene. I ask them what five albums, book, and luxury item they would take with them if they were stranded on a desert island, and we talk about how those choices have influenced who they are today. On this episode, I am joined by Leeds artist Mike Ainsworth, also known as North One Out. He's a longtime friend. We also live together. Uh, incredible screen printer and designer. Uh, he's worked with some great bands and businesses, creating his weird and wonderful artwork for posters, T-shirts, print, fa- print fairs, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, I really hope you enjoy this week's episode. Uh, it was done a month or so ago, right in the middle of a uh, lockdown on Zoom, so the sound quality is a bit hit and miss. But it's a great ramble of a chat, and I really hope you enjoy us hanging out and talking records. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, I have a Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Desert Island Punks, or just tell your friends, or rate it on your podcast app of choice, or whatever you fancy. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Okay, I can hear you again now. You went, you went a bit crazy a minute ago, but yeah. All right, sweet. Yeah, I've just been playing Doom and CTR loads in Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot's really hard. <laughs> oh, what, for Xbox? Yeah, yeah, you can buy it again. Yeah, you can, like, they kind of read it, like, redone it all. But it's, like, super... Mean. Yeah. I saw it's quite expensive, though. I almost downloaded it, and I didn't. I almost downloaded Doom the other day, and I haven't done it yet, but I might do. Do it. Yeah, yeah, it's so much fucking fun. <laughs> constantly as well, and like it's like it's meant to be quite a short game. But I'm not really much of a gamer, so I think like for me it wasn't short, but it was like just the right amount. But it's just loads of fun. Okay, yeah, I just I just played through Wolfenstein yesterday. Oh, well, yeah, that's last last few days. I completed that in a few days, and I was like, oh, okay. So I've just uh, dis- uninstalled that, and I've downloaded something else. Can't even remember what I've downloaded. Um, but yeah, I had, uh, games. I had a lot of fun with Wolfenstein. I did, I, which one have you played? The second one or the first one? Uh, New Colossus. Okay, so that's the the newer one. The, the, the on yeah, you can get the first one as well, um, which is called New Order. I yeah, so, yeah, so I, I couldn't tell which one was which, but I just got New Colossus, I think. Yeah, but they were both, they're both pretty good. Yeah, I think it's just like fun how ridiculous it is, and that's kind of yeah. what I like do. <laughs> You get to kill Nazis all day. I don't know, all day, every day. <laughs> um, so I'm going to send you away to Desert Island. Yeah. What will be your first choice? Okay. So it did take a very long time for me to get down to this. I had to literally go through every single CD I had in vinyl. and really <laughs> make, I made a lot of lists and there yeah. were lots of knock, knockout stages. I mean, I um, do fucking the, love lists, so I'm yeah. all on with that. It was a lot of thinking and I've really been overthinking it. But I guess like, I was listening back to some of your podcasts before and particularly the Eric Frias one. I was like, it's not just about, you know, it, it's not to be misconstrued with your favorite albums. Cause it's not about, yeah. that. it's about what could you cope with dealing with for the, for the rest of your life. Yeah. Cause your favorite, your favorite album right now might not be your favorite album for. Yeah. Ever. Um, <laughs> but my first one would be against me reinventing Axl Rose. Strong. Why? Yeah. I know you're a big lover of that album as well. I, I love that album. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just got everything on it i mean against me they just do cover all bases anyway 
particularly the you know the earlier stuff. Yeah, like it's it's aggressive and it's tough, but also you know it's got that softer side. It's intelligent. It's you know considered. It's political. It's emotional. It's got a bit of everything. Um, but particularly, I think you know, reinventing Axl Rose. If I, I, there's just not a single song on that album that I could fault. I it don't does, think really. Yeah, it does amazingly well considering that the production is not the best, and you still like. like I like I like that about it. I like those earlier albums when it was you know it was it was a bit rougher. They are very polished now. I yeah, think, like I like that side as well, which is good. Like because their songwriting is still amazing. Um, and like their playing is amazing, and now that they've got you know they've got back to having almost an original lineup again. Yeah, that's all that. That's pretty. With cool. Andrews rejoined, and you yeah, know yeah. all all they need is Warren to come back from his Mexican restaurant, um, <laughs> and you know they'll be back to full strength. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I just I, well, that's one thing I love about that album that Warren is like an amazing drummer, and it was so like paired back. Was it Warren? Warren on that album? I, sure. I thought it was Warren on that album. Let's just let's double check. Are you, you going to Google or shall I? I'll Google it. I think uh, it might be Warren, but I know there was a different bassist, wasn't there? Oh, was it not Andrew for on? Yeah, Rose? Yeah, I'm fairly sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I might be wrong, but I read her book a couple of years back. That was such a good read. I still need to read the book. Yeah, I still haven't read that. Um, but I mean, we'll get on to my poor reading skills when we get to the book stage later so, in this. So it was Warren, but it was um, it was somebody else for bass. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, the drums for me is what really like for those first few albums, yeah. Warren drumming is just so so amazing. I think it's kind of great as well because that like he's not necessarily like a super technical drummer. You know, like he's not like he's not like a metronome. It's like it definitely yeah. go, goes all over the place, but that's kind of like half of the like the energy to it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like that paired backness thing of that kind of it's so minimal almost, but yeah, also yeah. at times so wild. It's even though it is simple. I've tried when I've when I first started drumming and when I was sort of getting into it, I was like really trying to recreate what he was doing, and I just could not do it. It was just <laughs> like it was really hard to like. It's because it's got so much energy. Redo. So power into you know it's like just so simple yeah that's um yeah, yeah i really because like, even in the later even later like, against me albums you can tell that drumming you know that kind of just like especially like bringing it up to the chorus and yeah um but uh, yeah did i uh, apparently um apparently they recorded that album all the way through uh and they realized they recorded it too fast so they had to record the whole thing again the next day oh no way i i, I meant to look up some little trivia bits about this one and i was just like oh no i already know enough about uh, <laughs> I, I i was like i was already s- secure enough in knowing that i love this album so i'm like, not gonna <laughs> look, look at any trivia um but that's amazing i did not know that yeah <laughs> they also um also uh laura played uh martin guitar through an electric guitar amp that's the sound on that album oh, right <laughs> yeah i was I mean, like yeah you can spot. I suppose you can kind of tell once you like once you think about it. But I know I never really thought about it. I was just like, that's yeah, I've I've never really overanalyzed this album too much. It's just always been, you know, I've I've always loved it. Although saying that, when I first got it, the only version I well, I own two versions now. Hmm. The only CD version is a bootleg copy that a friend of mine gave me with some like crappy 
little digital printouts of the front cover and just the text drawing. So I have yeah. no like liner notes or anything and no knowledge about the, the production of it or anything like that. Um, I've got it on vinyl now, but I think, yeah, I love my little bootleg CD version of it for sentimental value. I remember doing those at school as well. Like I put a lot of effort into like, yeah, yeah. Trying to, trying to recreate how it looked exactly, even though I just ripped it on CD or something. I mean, I think the reason I got given it as well was my friend Steph made me the copy of this one and uh, Eternal Cowboy. Yeah, yeah. Um, She made me copies of them to try and persuade me to come and see them play. And at the time, I think I just just didn't listen to them. I, I didn't go to the show. And like looking back at it now, I'm just like, what what an idiot. I would have been like, I think I would have been like 13. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then maybe I think we saw them a few years later as well, and I've seen them a couple of other times since. But yeah, I'm kicking myself that I didn't go. Yeah, that see them so at that good. time. And I mean, I missed them. Actually, yeah, it would have. She gave me the copies after. It would have been after New Wave came out. So when did New Wave come out? Uh, I want to say 2008, something along those lines. Anyway, it might be a little early 2006, maybe. Oh, so I would have been like maybe 15 then. I don't know. Uh, hold on, let's I find that to... out. Um, I fucking love New Wave. I, that is a great album as well, and that's like a that was in the close running to take the against me spot here for number yeah. one. Um, two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. So I would have been. Um, oh my god! Come on, man! It's I'd your age. Six, I'd have been sixteen. <laughs> okay, go. Cool. Fifteen or sixteen, something like that. But what I also like about reinventing Axl Rose is apparently it got released on my birthday. Oh, did it? Yeah, in 2002. I mean, I can't believe that this album came out in 2002. That seems like bonkers to me, but... Well, as in like a long time ago? Or like yeah, yeah, thing. like, but also for like the sound, like I, I, it feels like, I don't know, I feel like I've been listening to it forever, but also it feels like it can't be that old. To me, like I think the sound of the album sounds like it was it should be older than that almost because because oh, really? it's such well just because it's such a lo-fi sound like because I got into it against me through New Wave and then yeah. uh, Jimmy our friend was, yeah, talking, yeah, yeah. was talking about um, reinventing Axl Rose and I went back to it and I remember saying to him like I love this album I just wish it was better recorded and, like, <laughs> and like then like I think my mind got changed like two like a month later once I listened yeah. to it more and I realized like how much that sort of like it's almost like claustrophobia of the sound isn't it like it's just like mm-hmm. all so like everyone's like putting so much effort into everything in yeah the album. And i mean i like, guess just like a life i suppose it's like a, it feels like a basement show or something yeah I, I may i may be coming from it from a different side of like um i guess in my early teens i was a i was a real metal head so i was listening <laughs> yeah. to lots lots of stuff with like real like high production values you know because everything needs to be like perfect and everything needs to My be machine spot, spot on yeah yeah like stuff like that and uh, maiden and uh all those kind of bands um and a lot of sort of like death metal and that kind of stuff i mean um, i have a lot of maybe, time maybe going back to going back to something that was punky and that was maybe when i got into it and that whole lower production value seemed way more appealing to me i think yeah and i think it was probably like when i just started getting into drumming and stuff as well and everything was pretty rough <laughs> everything <laughs> everything was rough everywhere but yeah I had a ponytail and everything. In a ponytail? Oh, man, you yeah, need to bring back the ponytail. Nah. No, no, no. <laughs> Never. But, uh, but, yeah. Cool. Right, so we'll move on to number two. 
Number two. Um, number two is... Beach Boys, Pet Sounds. Yeah, strong. I fucking love this album. Um, I feel shameful to say it though. I'd never listened to the album all the way through. Um, I like. I obviously I knew of the Beach Boys. You know, I, I knew the hit songs and all that kind of stuff. But I'd never really listened to the album all the way through until maybe like end of last year. Yeah, that's quite a late one for me as well. I, but I don't, I'm not sure really why. How, what made you li- like decide to listen to? Well, it? I mean, I was essentially I, I only got it i've got it on cd here what mm. i'd like what i also wanted to say in, in my desert island discs i want to talk about what format i wanted them in so okay, sure. against, against me my version i would take would be my bootleg copy version you're right okay sentimental value pet sounds um at the moment i've got it on cd which has it's got it's got two copies of everything it's got everything in stereo and then everything goes round in mono as well yeah, yeah. i i quite like this version but I'd love it on like uh, on on vinyl as well. But the reason I've got it um, every year, Hattie's dad wants to buy me a CD for Christmas or my birthday. That's a pretty to, cool thing to get. He, he he's a great guy. Barry Notman is amazing. Barry uh, Notman. Barry Notman. He and so I always have to sort of give him a a, a list of potential things he could get. Yeah, um, sure. And I've. I found that I've been mainly going for classic albums with him. So uh, the other year he bought me Black Sabbath. Um, Which album? But then uh, <laughs> the one with Paranoid on it. All oh, right. So I want to say, what's it called? I think it's Sabbath Two. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really uh, good album, um, but I can't actually remember what it's called. It's I just did it in two or three, I think. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then this year for Christmas, I was like really struggling to think of something. And then I was just like, you know what? Um, oh, I'd, I'd, I'd listened because um, there's a bit of Peach Boys on the Us soundtrack, you know, the Jordan Peele film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and then I was break. just suddenly thinking about it. And the soundtrack for that film is amazing, by the way. But yeah. Yeah, um, I love that album. Uh, that film, um, sorry. I got, I, got the, well, I got the soundtrack on double uh, disc vinyl as well. That's amazing. Really? But, but back to my story because I was, I was thinking about the the song i think it's um is it good vibrations or is it um yeah it's it good vibrations nice? is it yeah. good vibrations in that scene yeah. and i was like i was trying to think of like what would be my meltdown song like if i was at work <laughs> and i i had like started like destroying the place and the, the song that would play would be wouldn't it be nice by the beach boys i think in the background and there'd be me like smashing everything up and then from mid there i was suddenly thinking about the beach boys and it was that time I was having to ask Barry what I wanted for Baza. Christmas present, Baza. And so I was like, yeah, Beach Boys, Pet Sounds. I've, you know, I'd never really listened to it all the way through. And I was just like, yeah, let's get it in the collection. I'm sure it'll be good. And it didn't, yeah. it didn't disappoint. It's amazing. <laughs> like literally every single track is just an absolute banger. Hasn't it got, um, is it that album that's got I Want to Go Home on it? Uh, I want to go home. No, it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't have it. I think. I think you might not be the name of something. Basically, we were listening to. Uh, Let's look at the. Um, we were listening to his album at work. Oh, it does have it. Yes, sorry, it does. Sorry, and it was like it was so full on. Um, and like it was like so many people in the shop and all that sort of stuff and then this song just came on and it was just going 
I wanna go home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, man, this is too real. It's amazing. Like, it's just, ah, oh, it's just amazing. Every yeah. every single track. I mean, it's really diverse as well, isn't it? Like the way all the songs are put together and stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, super strange. The vo- all the vocal layering, all the harmonies are just beautiful. The instrumentation is amazing. The production values are just phenomenal as well for an album. Especially for the time. Put, yeah, for an album that's put out in 1966. Um, it's insane. And, you know... It's, I, I just can't, there's not a single song I can fault. There's only, there's one track and I can't remember which one it is, which it kind of, it was indicative of that kind of rock and roll-y era, but it's kind of starts talking about the greatness of the, how good a love affair is. And it's kind of <laughs> like, oh, that's a bit creepy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, obviously it seemed that was an okay thing to say at the time. Yeah. Uh, I suppose that's kind uh, of like, it'd be a good one to have on this island because it's just so diverse. Because yeah, it's, yeah. It's like a bit of, like it's got a bit of everything. Keep meaning to watch um, the Love and Mercy. Yeah, keep meaning to watch that. I've not got around to it's it. It's amazing. That's a, I mean, that's part of the other thing that made me want to get the album from because you know that pretty much you know the huge section of that film is about Ryan Wilson or in in the film it's Paul Dano at that time um, yeah. recording Pet Sounds, but essentially. I mean, I don't know how real realistic to life it is, how pretty much all the instrumentation, all of it is just Brian Wilson in in a studio with a bunch of other session musicians. And yeah, I think the rest of the band turn up and put the lyrics to it. Yeah, I think he was like main driving force behind it, wasn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he was for a lot of it, really. And I think, but um, yeah, yeah. I, was, like, I mean, today's uh, quarantine film. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a go. It is really good, and in, it's um, and John Cusack and Paul Dano do a really good job of it. Um, but yeah, and what I was li- what I really liked about it, well, it's, I kind of find it crazy that you know it's their most revered album realistically now. Yeah. Um, but then at the time, it was really not very well re- received. Was it not? I like, didn't know that. It, it didn't. It didn't do anywhere near as well as any of their previous stuff. Like. It was too different, essentially. Um, and I found I was looking up, I was looking up sort of just read bits of trivia about the the album. And the reason they called it Pet Sounds kind of hilarious. It's about um, it's like some sort of inside joke about Brian Wilson being able to hear other sounds that other people can't hear, like you know, like dogs hear uh, ultrasonic sound kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like some inside joke about Brian Wilson. Um, that's it that's the reason (laughs) yeah yeah apparently Um, but yeah I mean I'm I'm annoyed at myself I've just been looking through the little booklet for the CD and it's got loads of trivia bits in that I should have been (laughs) I should have brushed up on before I started I uh, took it out and sort of had a talk about it Uh, what I quite like is it's like a recent discovery like in a weird yeah for something that really I mean I'd, I'd obviously listened to so much of it in, like when I was a kid or whatever, my parents would have listened yeah. to it. and that, It's kind of just like in the ether a bit, isn't it? That's all that Yeah. I just was very conscious that I'd never put this album on, even just like putting it in on the internet and just put it from start to finish. I'd yeah. Never yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's just a real nice album. I could, I could happily just listen to this on repeat over and over and over again. And I have been doing recently. You know, I've been trying to do these, those, these mini 
album reviews to stem my insanity during quarantine. And when I got to doing Pet Sounds the other day, I accidentally just left the album on like five times. Yeah. So like, it's amazing when you can do that and not get sick of it. Um, and there's some really good, actually really good remixes of the album. Um, Jay Diller uh, from Stones Throw Records does an amazing uh, remix that you can't really get anywhere. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's just called, it's called Sounds of Diller. I can't remember. I'll have to look that up. Um, but yeah. that's a really good, good little remix. So do you put on work when you, do you put on songs when you work? Like you do your art and stuff? Um, kind of more yeah, pretty much. I mean, when I'm at, when I'm at my day job, um, which is teaching students in a workshop, we have I implemented a rule of classical FM <laughs> on or no music. You gone? Uh, and I got I got sick of students bickering about what radio station we should have on. Right. Okay. So I implemented classical fm or nothing um and they quite like that actually and i quite i quite like listening to classical music but when i'm doing my own stuff um it's i'll normally have something on uh but it it can be anything or everything really if i've just found if someone's just posted about something on online that might be interesting um i'll probably just chuck it on in the background and see what it's like like i just recently found someone was posting about someone called Hiroshi Yoshimura, who's like Japanese lo-fi electro music from ni- the early 90s. And I was just like, yeah, let's try that. And it's like amazing. Oh, cool. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's uh, this this album called Wetlands, which is from 1993 that I just put on it. It's like phenomenal. Um, I just need to go and try and track that down now and buy it somewhere. But when... <laughs> um. As a yeah, to support independence, I suppose, as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll struggle to find it, but we'll see. But yeah, I mean, when I'm working, anything and everything I'll put on, to be honest. It, sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes if I'm doing something really fiddly, yeah, um, I probably wouldn't have something on. If I'm on my computer, I maybe wouldn't actually have music on. If I'm doing the physical printing, like if I'm actually in the studio screen printing, I'd probably have something on in the background so I can just concentrate on something else rather than the super monotonous printing yeah, yeah. okay that's kind of weird because like i mean i think that's one of the things i find a little like disappointing in my sort of the way i do my work basically you know if i if i'm like i can't listen to music while i'm writing music yeah i guess that would yeah, that, <laughs> that, that, that would not, not be very conducive unless you, know, you want to just write other people's songs exactly if anything oh, you I'm don't like, want to do covers <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's like that and that even like you know editing this podcast and stuff like I can't really um oh uh, yeah I guess yeah I can't really do anything with it so it's kind of I find it like a bit frustrating but I mean I I still manage to find the time to listen to music all the time I'm sort of I imagine a bit like you like a sort of person that just has music on or has something on in the background like all the time I very rarely yeah just silence I mean our house is pretty much like that all the time we're, when we're in the house we've got you know there's either tv on with a game in or some tv playing or you know i'll have some music on hattie will have a podcast going somewhere and she'll have some music going um so yeah we've got stuff going on all the time as well it's just and yeah at the moment as well me forcing myself to try and listen consciously listen to every single 
CD that I own has been quite a refreshing sort of thing. I found yeah, that I've yeah. got a lot of crap. Like, I've got a lot of bad CDs. <laughs> I like mean, CDs I'm, that I'm just like, why do I own this? Um, like, uh, yeah, I was doing, I did Cancer Bats yesterday. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was talking about Birthing the Giant, and that's an amazing album. But then I realized I didn't have their second album, Hail Destroyer, here in my house. So I was like, oh, that's good. And <laughs> then album three and four, I just not fussed about but i had to listen to them and write about them and they were scathing reviews really and then i noticed on 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 instagram cancer bats had watched my stories no oh man (laughs) (laughs) oh that's heartbreaking yeah so i guess i maybe maybe we won't be getting much work from cancer bats in the future (laughs) who knows to be fair, I, re- I like their newest album, Cancer Bats, but um, uh, I don't even know the name of it, though. But I do <laughs> like it. <laughs> There's too um, much music, man. There's too much stuff. Right, so we'll, uh, we'll move on to your next number three. Number three yeah. So number three was a... Uh, we had two potentials. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've listened to them both again this morning. And, you know, I'm trying to think in the long run of the overall feeling of my top five for my time on this island. Um, and it'd have to be the Bronx album four. Oh, yeah. Um, it, yeah, Bad Moves, Tell No More, Tell No One was almost almost in the running, but I'm just like, it's a bit too, it's not quite angry enough. Yeah, sure. For what I need. Um, but yeah, so Bronx number four. Um, why, why the, why the fourth one? Because I think like the sort of like the go-to Bronx album for a lot of people is three. Yeah, I mean three's three is one of my favorites. I think it probably is my favorite. Probably is my favorite Bronx album. But um, I think in terms of like variety mm. within the album, you know, like Bronx Four has a lot more diversity within it. Um, and I had just like fond memories i used to it used to be my running soundtrack when i used to live in uh budapest oh cool and i used to go i got really into running like ridiculously into running um like which i I wasn't expecting i started out when i was living there just drinking and partying all the time and then i think one day someone literally like we were at a party and someone grabbed my belly and was like oh someone's been drinking a bit of beer (laughs) oh man i I know right i know um i think the next day i started running uh, and got really got into it and i used to run around this island called market ziget which is like a free running track in the middle of the danube river cool my running playlist was just album four (laughs) that was it (laughs) like there's one of those bands that's like such a good band for like running or something because it's just all high energy isn't it it's just like yeah. so much going on i mean it's just like their live show you know like it's but then just it, so much energy and so much like oomph but that album as well it had kind of like hints towards what they ended up doing with mariachi or bronx and yeah. you know with pounded by the surf as well like because there's you know i never song... listened to pounded by the surf pounded by the surf are really good actually and they've, they we they supported Oh, they supported Mariachi or Bronx. That was it. Um, when they played at uh, Key Club. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty good. It's like, you know, it's surf music. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like a Tarantino soundtrack pounded by the surf. Yeah, but, um, cool. That's real nice. But yeah, because like 
uh, in album four. What I think my favorite song is actually Tortures, which is way slower. Uh, it's, it's more melodic. Which one's Tortures? Uh, oh yeah yeah i yeah, think it's, i really think it's off that album i think it might be my favorite uh bronx song is just unholy hand yeah it's like what I a mean, way to fucking start an album what an album i mean yeah it, you know it's about it's about how having your job how your job sucks how working yeah, exactly. is crappy you know it's exactly <laughs> what you want yeah <laughs> it's totally relatable um I think my only like problematic song with, I mean, they bring it down a notch with tortures and it's a bit slower and then they take it almost too slow with life less ordinary. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, I, I still it, like it's, that. It's a good song, but I feel it, it kind of changed it a little bit too much, but yeah. I mean the rest of the album, I can't fault to be honest. Um, and you get like, you know, obviously Matt's there trying to, have a bit more of a singing rather than a screaming yeah. um, stance with it. Um, and I like that as well. Well, I like the drama Vic's still on the album. He's you such know, a I, drummer. As a drummer, he's like my all time apart from, well, I think that him and Brendan Canty from Fugazi, you know, they're the top two for me. Yeah. Um, like, you know, his, his style was just insane. Like I remember listening to, well, I remember seeing them first off. I'd never even listened to them. I just went along to see them by chance, um, for like eight pounds again at corporation in Sheffield with my friend Steph. Eight quid. She, eight quid. I'm mad. And they played in a tiny room, you know, this just insanely small. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember them seeing them. I was just being like blown away by it. It was just ridiculous. Um, just ridiculously heavy, ridiculously just like guttural shouting and violent. That was um, such a good term. It is though, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. That's what Matt's voice was like and on like album, you know, particularly you know, on the AEP, on album one and two. And then from album three onwards, they get a little bit more like the production values go up a little bit. Mm. But even in the first few albums, like EP and one and two, the quality of their playing is still amazing. Like the quality of like their craftsmanship as guitarists and drummers and singers is like still amazing. They're, um, they are like one of the, um, best live bands. I think you can ever see. Oh yeah. I think, I think they're my most seen live band. Really? Um, Yeah. I've, yeah, just every time they're around, you'll just definitely any time they're near. I mean, I've gone all, we, we, me and Hattie went all the way back to Budapest just to see them. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, they, any they excuse playing, to go back to Budapest, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the summer. It was nice and hot in Budapest. Beer's cheap, and then the Bronx were playing again for like the equivalent of eight pounds. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and they were playing on a boat. <laughs> oh, I've heard about that venue. It's meant to be really yeah, good. Eight thirty-eight, um, and no one was there. Like that show was like that show would have been shortly after album four came out, and we went along thinking it'd be rammed. And there was maybe like 30, 40 people there. Really? It was, and the venue there is huge. You know, it's the bowels of a ship. Yeah. Um, but there was so much space. It was just ridiculous. It was like going to a band's like first show or like, you know, an, a, a band that was just starting out. Everyone that was there was really into it and was like super fans. But it was just like insane. And weirdly at that one, I met, I was at their merch table. I was talking to their their merch person, Kara, 
And then I was like, she had a South Yorkshire accent. And we were just like, wait, where are you from? She's like, oh, she- Sheffield. Or I think she said Doncaster or something. We're just like, no way. We're in Budapest and we met someone from Sheffield. Um, but yeah, and they're just a great band. You know, yeah, the Bronx are just amazing. They're hilarious live. They're, everything they do online is just ridiculous. Yeah, they, they don't their, do their merch is good. Their artwork's there. good. So. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I took your advice as well. You, I remember you saying the other day, giving uh, album five another re-listen. Yeah. And yeah. We did that the other day and it was like, yeah, actually, this is... It it's holds, it holds, holds up. It's really good. It yeah, it is good. Against the others. Like, because um, I think it definitely came across as like a little bit, not necessarily not as good, but like it, just different, wasn't it? And like, yeah, I mean, and I, well, I definitely remember at the time I bought it because I like, I want to own everything that the Bronx have done. Yeah, yeah. I want to like everything they've done, but I remember listening to it first off and just being like, no, <laughs> this isn't the same. And I, it just got put back on the shelf. It's but not then, the same. It's not the same. But now, yeah, it does stand up against the others. And what I oh, I didn't say. I what I, if I did have Bronx Four on my desert island, I would be having it in vinyl format. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got and currently what I've got is the red uh, LP edition, which is very nice. Um, it's always really hard to well, the older stuff particularly trying to get any of that on vinyl is just an absolute nightmare. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. Actually, I've managed to get some of the seven inches, but like. You you pay an arm and a leg for him, um, yeah. but yeah, and I mean, they've got so many good side projects as well, which is what's really great about the Bronx. Like, yeah, they've got Mariachi or Bronx, they've got Pounded by the Surf, and the Drips. Um, it's just uh, I remember you telling me about the Drips. I've, I've still not like, got around to it. That was almost in the running for this position as well. Like, yeah, if you have anyone out there who's listening to this, if you haven't listened to the Drips, and their album is the drips um <laughs> give it a try it's amazing like it, i think it's a super group formed of matt and jorma um there's someone from this thing there's two people from uh is it me uh, social distortion or municipal waste i can't remember oh right and um, i'm sure there's someone from distillers as well wow that was kind of it's a really weird super group i don't understand how they've how it happened but that album's amazing, and it's still got all the good qualities of Matt's vocals and Jorma's drumming. Yeah. I think Jorma's in it. I've said that too too confidently now. Um, but yeah, um, and the art, the artwork for that album is just ridiculous as well. It's very like, I think you your sort of artwork with North or Now is like very similar to the style that like the Bronx kind of like. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I mean, I... Twisting yeah. certain images and making them a little different and... I, th- I mean, I love the album. I think one of the big things that I love about album three is the fact that it's just a flamingo spun around. <laughs> and that's my favorite cover of theirs. And I've tried recreating that kind of a thing so many times. And I'm just like, ah, oh, it's just not the same. <laughs> um, I didn't even know it was just a flamingo, to be honest. I it was, was just, just like, I was just like, that's the album. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't even look about what the actual thing was. I mean, I th- for me, a lot of artwork does feature in a lot uh to how much i like an album as well it's yeah i, I know it's weird time, that, isn't it? I, i'm a person who likes physical things i like my collection i like uh, you know having something that looks nice as well um i'm not really someone who downloads just these yeah. you know just downloads content 
because I can't have a physical thing and it's, you know, I don't know. I like yeah. physical things. I get you. I mean, I create physical things all day, every day, so it's probably a good It'd thing. be a bit weird if you didn't, I suppose. You yeah. Also, down, I mean, especially with artwork, like, like with music, you can download it, you know, and you, you kind of get half the stuff with it and we'll film you as well. But like, but with like art, it's very different to have, you know, from having something in your hands or on, on the wall to just having it on your computer. It's like, oh, I want to yeah, look at yeah. that artwork. I'll just load up my computer. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> that would be a bit odd. <laughs> Um, cool so we'll move on to number four number four so number four is a bit of an odd one mm-hmm. um did you look this one up i tried to okay uh, i couldn't find it on spotify okay uh, yeah i don't know, on if spotify, on spotify. Like, you know i think you'd have heard her though anyway so yeah number four is mina mm-hmm. studio uno and it was recorded in 1965 yeah um the version that i would want of this album so currently i've got CD version. What I would yeah. personally prefer, though, is a vinyl version. But like the kind of vinyl version that you pick up from a charity shop, so it's a yeah, little bit battered. It, it's yeah. a bit scuffed. It's kind of, kind of smells. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a couple of little scratches in there as well to add a bit of texture. Um, this would probably work really well with a couple of like, you know, when you you loop a little bit when you go back to a scratch and you keep going back and forth. This yeah, yeah, would yeah. probably this would lend itself to that. Um, you forget it where you like you rem- you like remember certain scratches on your yeah like, i mean you know. i'd probably i'd probably want this as well in a i'm not fussed about the cover with this album um i'd probably want it in just like a blank sleeve and just so you can see you know the little yeah little circular bit on the center of your on your vinyl um but yeah so mina studio <laughs> uno i think you will have heard her before um the first time i'd heard her she was on the Master of None soundtrack. Oh, okay. Um, and it's in the scene where, I mean, it's it's unfortunate now that it seems almost odd to try and talk about Master of None after all um, that stuff. Yeah. After everything that happened with Aziz Ansari, um, and I've never watched the show since all of that happened, which is a real shame because it was a great TV show. Um, but the music from the soundtrack and the music that I ended up discovering from the soundtrack was all amazing there's so much different yeah. stuff on there um, so is this from is this from when uh, he goes to italy though, is it i think there's one song of hers in the italy episode yeah but also when he's back in new york and uh you know he's having that romantic connection with the italian woman and then they dance in his um his apartment because oh, right. they're, yeah. they're snowed in yeah um that's one of the songs uh, this is that's a song by mina and she oh, was, cool. she's basically just like a 1960s Italian pop star. Awesome. Um, but then, like, I was doing a little bit of reading into her as well, and she, you know, she was really popular within Italy. Um, but before she got like really critical acclaim of like this pop star status, um, she was doing like rock and roller kind of stuff. Cool. Um, I encourage any of you out there to go and try and look up Mina. Um, anything pre 1965. The videos are so over the top, like rock and roll. <laughs> uh, there's like, you know, the band are all wearing like cardigan sweaters and playing like double basses and bass saxes and stuff. And it's really like lo-fi drums. And then Mina, she's walking around this stu- apart- studio apartment and she's like really over gesturing things and <laughs> clicking her fingers a lot. And it's, 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 it's kind of ridiculous, but it's also really great. I mean, what I love about the album is it's just... 
It's, it's Holy incredibly... fucking shit. Sorry, I just looked at her uh, discography. She's done a huge amount of albums, something like 50 <laughs> albums or 60 albums or something like that. Yeah, it's, oh man, it is a lot. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So, Tudor Uno's a tenth. 10, yeah. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. So, it's 30 on, oh, one, 30. No, on one of the uh, lines. And right. there are four lines. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, so I mean, she's yeah. done like 120 albums. It's, I mean, but I think, you know, that's, uh, it's one of those, mis- well, it's one of those misleading things of uh, music from, you know, pre-internet and all that kind of, you know, like Johnny Cash as well, like uh, huge amounts of albums, but it, lots of it is like huge collaborations. It seems like, you know, they were just churning out albums at the time. Yeah. Um, everyone was. And a lot of it is like, well, particularly you know, with Johnny Cash, who I think he has the record for most albums ever. Oh, really? Um, a huge amount of them are just like him reinterpreting uh, gospel you know, yeah, hymn books. Yeah, he's like t- he's he's got a hymn book and he's gone through it and he's done it. Obviously, it takes a huge amount of work to still does. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, to orchestrate an instrument and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean. I didn't realize that Studio Uno was a, her tenth album. I was like, I knew it wasn't her. F- first album but i didn't realize it was so much later i quite like it when you when you find an album of somebody or like you look at somebody's like best like most well-known album or considered their best or something it's really far down in their career like, yeah, yeah. Back, like back in black being like acdc's like seventh album it was like how yeah. on earth is it their seventh album <laughs> um, but um but yeah i mean her vocals are just amazing like she's got this really like at times it can be this really romantic, soothing, peaceful voice, but then also it's got this like real like attack to it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's helped by the production of it. You know, some of it's a little bit tinny at times and it can almost be a little bit like, Oh, like it can shock you a little bit. Her voice. Yeah. Um, the instrumentation's really good actually as well. Like all the playing is amazing. There's really nice piano, some good violin in there. So um, she, she, um, she, so she mainly just sing. She's, I think she's just a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, my, unfortunately my little booklet, which has come with my CD is all in Italian. <laughs> um, and I can't read Italian. Um, I, most of the songs, I don't even know what they're saying either. <laughs> I mean, there's, like, there's something kind of nice about that though. Cause I think then you also like, you listen to the inflections and you listen to like, yeah, yeah. I think it's a little bit more. One of, yeah, it's one of those few things where I've actually like, uh, I, I very rarely would be listening to someone's vocal prowess. Like, there's yeah. not many things in my collection where it's about that. Um, yeah, but uh, so I, I mean, when I'm looking at this, I don't know if any of these are like covers or if they're all her own, her own written words. I imagine it's or, a bit of a bit of a combination of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, but it's it's amazing, and the, a lot of the instrumentation it kind of reminds me of what ends up happening later on with the. Uh, the Rodriguez album, you know, the album that's the guy, the Searching for Sugarman guy, Rodriguez. Yeah, sure. Um, it has that kind of, again, it's like a very limited sort of paired back instrumentation that goes mm. along with the vocals. The vocals is the main part. Um, and that's the main instrument throughout the whole thing. But there is other music there throughout the whole thing. It's 
really sure. supports it in a quite a minimal way. I just uh, uh, just looking at the track list in here. So, uh, number seven is written by John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Oh, is it? Yeah. Ah, PewDie. Ah, oh, which one's that? One, two, uh, three, it is. Uh, four, it's five, for you. Ah, Pew, oh, PewDie Tay. Um, maybe I've got a different. Uh, oh no, that's number four on this one. Oh, it's right. uh, so so shamey. Oh yeah, okay. So I might. Oh, well, I mean to be fair, it doesn't look like my CD is giving me a proper actual listing. I think it's just saying these songs are on here. <laughs> <laughs> Find <It's>, them <laughs> in some order. Um, but yeah, so I think that'd be really nice. Uh, that, yeah, that's I'd, a cool I'd, choice. I'd, I'd, I'd happily listen to that all day while I'm sat on a beach i mean i don't know what i'm doing on this desert island i should probably be frantically trying to survive um yeah. but you know Instead, if I wanna, you're just pondering over if i want to chill out um yeah and she's got to to be fair my favorite song of hers isn't even on this album i think it's called like telefonato or something uh which is on youtube and the the uh the backing music for that is phenomenal and the chorus is just beautiful um but yeah and then from listening to this actually i ended up just list i ended up going on like crazy youtube rabbit holes of just all these random italian singers and songwriters and all this kind of stuff and it's just really nice sort of different yeah it's like a sort of different side of music that you might not be listening to normally yeah yeah for sure cool right so number five last number five so number five was another potential two potentials to take the spot um and after re-listening to them both this morning the winner of place five is christian scott yesterday you said tomorrow okay um so again i tried again, to find this and i struggled with it yeah I'm, he's not as may, my other the other option would have been kamasi washington it would have been a lot easier to find kamasi washington yeah because yeah. he's very very current at the moment um i do love you know kamasi's saxophone playing um technically the one that i almost had in my top five his ep harmony of difference i don't know how well it counted because it was an ep not an album um but that was super close but yeah christian scott he's new orleans originally mm-hmm. um and then he moved over to new york and he's he's a trumpet player um and his albums are i don't know how to describe them they've i mean what i really love about him his trumpet playing is he's got this really nice timbre he's got this really lovely texture yeah that he gets it's like it's really hard to describe it it's not like this harsh traditional sort of stereotypical jazz trumpet kind of thing it's this really soothing wispy raspy noise um and it's just i think i i can't even remember why or how i first listened to him i i don't honestly remember how i came to you did i discover discovered it no I, i can't quite remember i i think it's actually maybe i'd just randomly read literally like you know like in the guardian tv guide or something yeah like a a three sentence thing saying this guy christian scott uh oh no i can i can remember it was an uh, it was a something it was talking about his there's a political nature to his his work his political jazz almost some of it um and i think that's what made me go and look him up 
Oh, cool. Uh, like, so, so when you say political nature, how, like, uh, I mean, there's a, it's. I think I mean, there's a. It's a response to, you know, a being a partly of a marginalized race. Essentially, is my interpretation of it. You know, some of his tracks. You know, the first track on yesterday, you said tomorrow, KKPD. Okay. So, KKK, police department. Right, sure. Yeah. It's my my interpretation of that. I'm pretty sure that is where where I'm. Uh, that's right. Americant. He's done some later stuff as well, which is a uh, Americant. Yeah, there's definitely some of his later albums that are a bit more uh, have this kind of scene politicized nature. It's not like overtly political. Like, mm. you know, there's no vo- there's no vocals in any of these tracks. It's just playing. Um, but yeah, it's got that i think that must have been what drew, drew me into it at first i was probably listening to it thinking i don't understand where this political reference is coming from um but i would have listened to, i think i listened to this so it came out in 2009 it would have been a couple of years later that i bought it um but yeah yesterday he said tomorrow's my first of his that i bought first album mm-hmm. and he's got a bunch of early stuff that i've now bought up as well and i think as well i bought it up so i could give something to my dad i was probably looking for a birthday present for my dad <laughs> and i think i yeah it's always actually, quite i think dads are hard as well yeah i mean i knew that my dad liked jazz and i was like okay so i found this guy and i've i think i probably actually bought him an album and put it on my computer first and then gave it to him yeah <laughs> and then i've then had to go back and rebuy the album for myself yeah um in terms of actually yeah the format that i would like for this one Mm-hmm. Um, if I did have it on my desert island, it'd have to be vinyl again. I've only got it on Mini CD disc. format. <laughs> <laughs> it's only yeah. I've I've not gone any further than CD and vinyl, have I? I could have gone cassette. But, you could have gone. Yeah, you could have gone. I think jazz can almost. In all, I mean, obviously, jazz tends to lend itself to vinyl, obviously. But like you know, it can work quite nicely on cassette because it gives it that sort yeah. of like. I mean, very I, few I mean, things I actually think work well on cassette. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think I could. Honest, the only thing that works on cassette is mixtapes. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Various things. Well, uh, I didn't realise that... Um, so it says the second song is The Eraser, which is Tom York's yeah. Eraser. Yes. Ah, cool. Um, and it's amazing. That that version is just phenomenal. You should give it a listen to after yeah, this. Yeah, I d- definitely will. Um, well, because I, I was listening to it again this morning, and I... I felt like I'd been listening to it for like 40 minutes and I turned around to look at my CD and it, CD player and I'd only listened to three tracks. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. oh, wow. So, uh, I think, uh, one, yeah, come on, carry on. I was going to say it's for its longevity as well. It'd be good, I think, on a desert island. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's handy. I mean, like, I think like one of my favorite things, uh, like for like reading in the evening or something is, is jazz. Like because yeah. it's like a really nice like soothing. I tend to go back to the same sort of albums as well over and over again. So it'd be nice to have something new. Yeah, I mean, I think it it can uh, you know jazz can be real hit and miss sometimes, and it's yeah, I've, I get what you're saying. You find like one or two maybe really strong albums that you constantly like, return oh, to. You like, yeah, yeah, and maybe sometimes you find a couple of offshoots from that that you you know maybe there's one player on on the on the track on the CD that you. You think, okay, let's see what else they've done or what else they've been doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I like about the album is it's not like too in your face either. There's some tracks that are like, they do have that stereotypical, you know, chaotic feel. Mm. Um, 
but for the most part it's pretty relaxing it's pretty soothing and calm uh, for the most part and i think a lot of that does come from christian scott's style of playing it's from his feel it's not from anything you know some of it is still very like all over the place and wild but because the way he's delivering it it still comes across as not too in your face yeah um but then some of the other tracks are a little bit like that. I mean, some of the other players on this album are phenomenal as well. The drumming, again, I keep returning to drumming. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you're drum- a drummer, so that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, the, the drummer, on, the, the drummer Jameer Williams on this, it's just amazing. It's, it, every again, it's this kind of Joel Mavic thing of like everything, there is so much going on there and it is so wild, but he's like holding it back so much that it doesn't take over. It's not like in your face it's not it doesn't yeah. seem erratic yeah. um, i think the production values on this album are just amazing as well like they've got the mix just right everything is in perfect pr- proportion with everything else and you know he's he's obviously had a good he's obviously got a knack christian scott of picking the right players i think throughout his career he's had the same guitarist matthew stevens i think oh cool don't hold me to that but from most of the videos i've looked at it's been the same guy um previous albums he's had other drummers that i prefer in in their actual style so he had tom pridgen on one of his other albums and that was just he's like phenomenal tom pridgen is pretty pretty incredible played for the mars water for a bit i think yeah yeah i mean he's he does all sorts of stuff and i think that's what seems to be happening with a lot of jazz musicians at the moment and they they're sort of very interchangeable amongst they're not just pigeonholed in this one yeah style you know like the reason I almost went with Kamasi Washington for this choice was that guy's done stuff with everyone. He's pretty much, you'd probably actually call him a hip hop, hip hop artist rather than a jazz musician. Um, you know, he's played, that guy's done stuff with Thundercat and Kendrick Lamar and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, Christian Scott's done a little bit of that kind of thing as well. And that was another thing that drew me to him. He was being sort of billed as like this bridge between hip hop and jazz. Yeah, which just initially maybe drew me in as well. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, and then his live stuff—I've never had the chance to actually physically see the guy live, but watching videos and listening to live stuff is—it just sounds beautiful. And there's and, a um, tiny desk concert. I just stumbled. yeah, yeah. It's a his he's amazing in that. That's I think that's a bit later on in his career. Well, it's more current. Mm. Um, there's some other ones. He does a really good live. Uh, there's a good live video of him and his, uh, like the Paris Jazz Festival, I think it is, or something like that. And his wife, um, Isadora Mendez, is singing on a couple of tracks, and her voice is amazing as well. Oh, cool. Like, they are like this insanely creative musical couple, like... Um, like a musical force. <laughs> well, like, the you know, like the Coltrane's, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, uh, you know, like, actually, yeah... Going up to Coltrane, obviously you got John Coltrane, you got Alice Coltrane, and then their son uh, Ravi Coltrane. Oh, I didn't know about this son. Yeah, this Ravi. He, I saw him playing leads, and that he was phenomenal. He was real. Good. I mean, you'd hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'd be real disappointment <laughs> wouldn't it, if uh, the son let the side down. <laughs> John and Alice Coltrane wasn't any good, but I guess um, that's a lot of pressure for him as well. <laughs> cool. Well, then we're going to move on to your book now, then. Yeah, my book. I think the book was actually a bigger, a harder thing for me to think up than music because I don't read that much. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I read. There's always a book on the go. Um, 
but I struggle with finding for making myself read. Uh-huh. If you get what I say, like I, I yeah, I think with... I think a lot of people I know, especially if you've fallen out of reading, every now and then can be it's quite hard. It's quite like a um, uh, having the sort of uh, discipline. To yeah, because it, it can take a while to get kind of in or into a book like, again or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, whenever I start a book, I always start with the best intentions, like. I'll, yeah. I will, the first like week, I'll do a chapter a night or something like that. Yeah, sure. Um, and if I'm on holiday, I'll, I'll read loads. Or if, you know, if I'm not having to do actual work kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if I get out of that habit, I really, there's not, there's not been many books in my life that have been like, I can't put down. Mm. Or it doesn't, maybe, I know that, I know you're a big reader and I know you've, you read you read during the daytime for me reading always seems like this nighttime activity or like this transitional activity that i do when i'm filling space yeah sure like, like, i can totally I'm traveling get somewhere I'm, I'm i'm on a plane or i'm on a train or something yeah um but yeah and that there's i honestly can't think of a single book that i've read more than once <laughs> i mean i also understand <laughs> that like i think there are very few books i've read more than once because i'm uh, probably maybe a little bit like you where you like you read a book and you're like well, that's done if i read this book again i'm wasting time when i could be reading another book or i could be doing yeah something. yeah for sure like it's the surprise element is gone at that point you know yeah. what's coming um yeah there's not i can't really yeah there wouldn't be many things that i would pick up again and reread maybe a couple of bi- biographies but um they aren't in my list. The The choices were, was between two things and they were very different things. Um, one of them was uh, Norwegian Wood by Haruki Murakami, mm-hmm. 1987. Or it was between a very sentimental choice, which was, did you look up this other choice I gave you? No. Uh, so this book called Calico the Wonder Horse or the Saga of Stewie Stinker um, <laughs> by Virginia Lee Burton from 1941. It's a kid's book. Yeah. Um, and you know the version <laughs> I've got it's uh, the only reason I've, that's there it's a really sentimental thing for me I remember reading it as a little kid at my grand's house and the copy that I've got now is handed down from from her when she passed away oh. uh, and it's a version that my, had been given to my uncle when yeah. he was a little kid so in, in the you know in the front cover there's a you know it says to Nick Christmas 1963 uh, and the, it's all battered and the spine is clearly gone and it's had to be retaped. So someone's <laughs> just put br- put brown tape on the spine of this beautiful, <laughs> I'll hold it up to you so you can vaguely see this beautiful, oh, uh, awesome. beautiful book. Yeah. <laughs> and the illustration's amazing. And it was just like, yeah, I think, yeah, go on. My choice would be uh, Calico the Wonder Horse or the Stargrove Stewie Stinker. Um, <laughs> So I, like, children... if you'd have chosen the other one now, I'd have been really annoyed. <laughs> I know, right? The, <laughs> no, yeah. Norwegian wood has been knocked to the back and uh, it's been taken over by a, a children's book. The stinker. So it's a, it's a sentimental choice more than anything. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a story about, it's a cowboy story. Obviously you might be able to ch- tell from the story, the title. Um, it's about a, a horse called Calico. And then the villain is this guy called Stewie Stinker. And his uh, uh, his crew of motley villains. Let's see. Let's find some of their names. Uh, and basically, he's a cattle rustler, and it all goes terribly wrong. And if I remember right, there's a flood, 
Oh, um, goes terribly wrong. Terribly wrong for him, and they get trapped somewhere, and Calico goes and saves them. Um, and then they they see the error of their ways, and they they save this little town as well later on. So yeah, some of his crew. I loved. I remember loving the names of his crew. There was Butch Bones, uh, Snake Eye Pison, Buzzard Bates, and Little Skunk Skeeter. <laughs> so they were Stewie Stinker's crew of villains. Stewie Stinker. <laughs> um, and yeah, and the illustrations are just beautiful in this have album you, um, as well. Have you like used any for? Um... Like as inspiration or anything like that. Uh, I've never, I haven't done. To be honest, I, I, it's, I, it's, it's an emotional thing for me to like look through it even. Um, so I, I don't actually look at look at it that often anymore because it's a, it's quite an emotional thing. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, it's just an amazing book. And just looking through it now, actually, some of the like the framing and like the the actual thought that's gone into the illustration, beautiful. Um, but yeah, and it's just a very nice object. Sentimental yeah, object. Um, cool. So, what would be your luxury item? <laughs> so, my, my luxury item is my cat. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Mochka um, the cat. You've got I mean, that's another to... mouth, mouth to feed. That's the only problem. But that's, well, the thing is, though, he would, when I would die, uh, he would then be able to eat me. <laughs> that's true. I would be able to sustain him. And he'd be. <laughs> And he'd be able to listen to the albums. I'd probably put, um, I'd maybe put Christian Scott on repeat for him. And he could just live out the rest of his days living, listening to that. Um, but no, I, yeah, I love my cat. Even though I've only had him for a little, uh, since September. Yeah, so it's quite recent. Yeah, and I'd never, I'd never had a pet before that. So I think, uh, yeah, that's been a real, real great thing. Uh, so with, yeah, did yeah. you get him from a kitten? Uh, no, we adopted him, and he's ten. Oh wow! So we wanted to get an older cat who can just like deal with being by himself. Because until recently, um, <laughs> me and Hattie would normally leave the house to go to work. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and we wanted someone that could a cat that could deal with just being by himself, and he's fine. I mean, even when we're here, he's not fussed about us. Um, he's <laughs> taking over the taking over the house. Uh, we built him a cat tree the other day, uh, and that's now on my my desk. So my space for working is getting smaller and smaller. He uses my office chair as his bed. Of course. Where else uh, would you? Uh, of course. And my desk as his play area. So now I'm working down in the living room, um, sitting on a wooden chair rather than my nice IKEA padded chair. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, it's been just nice. We almost, well, I know you, you know, you're thinking about getting a pet. And yeah, I would love to get you're a pet. You're wanting a dog. Yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm up for a cat, but um, I mean, I, I am more of a dog guy, but uh, Laura's allergic to cats. Oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love a dog, but we just, yeah, we couldn't deal with it in this house. I mean, if, if you'd asked me like a few years ago, though, I would could never have said a dog. I had a massive phobia of them, but. Did you? Um, I did, yeah. yeah. I got bitten on the face as a child. On the face? By a, <laughs> by a lassie dog. <laughs> whatever, whatever a lassie dog is. Um, I was an inquisitive child and I stuck my head through a fence and then a dog bit me on the face. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. But it's more, the way I, more the way you're describing it. <laughs> I mean, I was like traumatized by this and then I thought like, uh, I brought it up 
uh, with my fa- my family like a few months back, and no one else could remember this. Thing. <laughs> no, to hospital. We had to like, <laughs> I had to get taken to hospital, and like they were just like, oh no, I can't remember this. So pain, obviously, pain on the face, and not even yeah. you don't even have a cool scar. Or I've got a little of, scar, a little yeah. one, but but yeah, there you go. Cats over dogs, and my cat would definitely be my luxury item. Cool. So then, um, would you? Do you think you'd be okay on this island? Like, I think I'd be all right. I've, yeah. I was a Boy Scout. I have my survival skills would be pretty up there, and my I've got this nice soundtrack. So yeah. you know, I, I feel you my, sound, my five, Yeah, my discs. I think my five discs could cater to all different emotions and i think that's why i was thinking about as well something you can't just have one emotion i'm surprised you're gonna take some like i don't know i mean i suppose you're not really much of a like your the art the north or now does isn't really it's not like um like pen and paper type art is it it's more kind of minute no i can't i can't draw (laughs) yeah absolute rubbish at drawing um but I can use a computer and I can cut things up. I suppose so, you could cut up some palm trees, potentially. For sure. Some fish yeah. guts. But yeah, um, so I think I'd be all right. You'd be all right. And then the one last question we have is, uh, you stumbled across a book on this island and this book has a spell in it and it will take you back home. But when you get home, all music is Nickelback. Do you go home? <laughs> um no you don't you stay on the island stay on the island yeah with your cat and your records could be worse cat my records and my one book yeah yeah short book i I mean mean, it's it's not that short how many pages is it it's 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 60 pages that's not too bad it's quite a children's book for a children's book it's when children you know is this is a time when it was frowned upon for being left-handed. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, of course it was a thing. I did not know that. Oh, well, there you go. The olden days, uh, you couldn't be left-handed. You couldn't spell if you couldn't read. Oh, oh dear. Madness. Um, anyway. Cool. So before before we stop, is there anything you'd like to push? Um, north on out. Um if anyone listening is interested in uh, art or design or gig posters, search Northorn Out online. We've got an online store. We've got an Instagram. Um, if you're in a band and you want gig posters doing, get in touch. We love doing gig posters. That's our main thing. Yeah, I'd recommend doing. it as well. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, we love, we love making new design work. We love doing printing. If you're interested, get in touch. Give us a follow. A That's like. all we want. <laughs> a like, yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Uh, I'll thank see you, very you much, Jake. See you soon, I suppose. See you one day. <laughs> Maybe. One day we'll be able to physically meet up again. <laughs>